Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And this week, we have Jupiter's Slut, who is a writer, humorist, and porn star. She prides herself on her fluency with the two scariest words in the American dialect, math and porn. She is best known for a personal masturbation research project, I feel like I do that too, that turned her into (laughs) an indie feminist porn producer. For the first 30 years of her life, Jupiter was math-phobic and sexually repressed. Change in both areas of her life stemmed from stepping closer to her fears and the pursuit of joy. Through her work, she gives others the permission to play and the tools to become authors of their own lives. Welcome. And she hates water chestnuts. Yes. <laughs> we were Hello. talking about this before, so you won't get this inside joke. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, do we call you Jupiter, or are you Jupiter's slut, or are you both Jupiter and Jupiter's slut? Yes. <laughs> okay, how did you come up with the name? So um, I was actually going through something called a Saturn return, Oh, yeah. I was raised by hippies in the woods, and my mom always had my astrology read. And uh, an astrologer that I'd worked with forever was like, "Um, you're going through the worst Saturn return I've ever seen. You have permission to call me 24-7 for the next year. Your life is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Um, And were they right? Yes. (laughs) Uh, My entire world totally shifted and flipped upside down when I stopped repressing myself sexually, which happened at my Saturn return. Now, I mean, I don't care if you believe in astrology or or not, but oftentimes you see that women— um, between 35 and 40, start to claim themselves in new ways um, and or become a bitch, you know, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> what is the, so what is the Saturn return? Um, I think it's where maybe, I'm not, a, I'm not an astrologer, but I think that where Saturn was when you're born, mm-hmm. it takes 30 years for, or 30 some years. yeah. Okay. Like that. So I went through that and apparently the change is magnitude enough that you feel it before and you feel it after. Yeah. And so when I got on the other end of that, I had claimed myself sexually to some degree, but there's always layers. And I had started, I wanted to, I had previously had a hiking blog. I've been a lifelong writer and I had a hiking blog um, that was a humor blog also. And uh, I had started exploring kink and I wanted to write poetry on about hikes? it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I masturbated that's on a hike Bondage one time. in the bushes? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's great. Thank you. That's something that probably where like, even though you repress yourself, you're, you're always still there. Uh-huh. So I have to admit that even during my heights of repression, sex in the woods always happened. Or, or kinky shit happened when I went camping or so, whatever. So where did you go from two in your return. So you talk about this radical life shift. So who were you kind of before? What was your life looking like? Oh, well, I was a stay-at-home full-time mom mm-hmm. and a junior high math teacher. Okay. Um, monogamous. Okay. Vanilla. Mm-hmm. I didn't masturbate. I kind of thought that would be like saying that my husband wasn't doing a good job of sexually oh. fulfilling me, um, and that just wouldn't be nice. Um, also, I mean, like, I should Did you masturbate prior to being married? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, so people told me I should. I tried it and I did not like it. Mm. But I probably did. You do the shower like. thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody told me to use the bathtub faucet. Mm. I couldn't figure out how to so do it. That's my tip. <laughs> <laughs> when you say the faucet, you mean just where the water comes out, or do you mean like a detachable shower head? Either or. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that about the faucet too, but it's like, how do you get up there? Yeah. You to just me, lie down pressure. underneath. You lie down. <laughs> you just try to show us. <laughs> and you and you and you put and you put like your stirrups. feet up, like like up. Yeah, but you're a yoga person. And then you're you flexible. just like scoot, and then you just enjoy. Okay, now that sounds good. I could never figure it out. <laughs> I thought it was the actual metal faucet you were supposed to do something with. <laughs> hey, don't look on your face. Like put the faucet in. <laughs> or like rub up against it while the water is coming out. Hello. Oh, <laughs> Jupiter. I'm so glad you found your slut. <laughs> so, um, but now looking back, I can see that it really just had to do with like, I rejected intellectually what I was being told in my church. I was like, 
they're wrong. And if God says you're going to hell, I'd rather go to hell with the underdog because I've always been a social justice person. So intellectually, I kind of rejected the strict teachings of my church when I was a teenager. But emotionally, I didn't want God not to love me or I didn't want to go to hell. So while I intellectually rejected it, I think that's a big part of why I didn't touch myself and why I didn't masturbate because I felt like a bad, selfish person who would go to hell. So I really didn't want to touch myself. Like that was genuine. Would you still have like intimate sexual experiences with other people? Like as long as it was somebody else, it was okay? You do know that women's sexuality was invented for men, don't you? Of course, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was (laughs) totally down with that. I would like to hand myself over like a doll and I would watch almost like an out-of-body experience what men would do with me so I could learn about sex. Really? Yeah. So you said your parents were hippies, but they were also pretty religious? My parents divorced when I was three. Okay. So my dad um, traded in alcohol for Jesus. Okay. And my mom, well, she just continued being a hippie. Because mm. I, I totally resonate with what you said about changing your mentality about religion in a, from a mental level, but that soul level. It's like the body remembers the shame. And so if you grew up in like a very religious household— where that message has been ingrained in you, you can decide later to not accept Jesus or whomever as your Lord and Savior, but that like body memory makes shame Absolutely. such a huge thing. Mm. Absolutely. So when my Saturn return came through or whatever, I started wanting to write about the sexual experiments that I was well, having. Well, and the sexual experience. And this is while you were while you were married, I had kids at home, were a teacher. Yes. So I was married, but it was clear to me that my marriage was dead. I was, I'd been 15 years married. My, um, it was like being married to a brick wall and I wasn't having, uh, I, I, yeah, my marriage was clearly over to me, but we were Mm. also good at raising our child together. So, um, I said, our marriage is over, but I'm not going for a divorce. I'm just going to take a lover. So it was, consensual, mutually aware that I opened the marriage. Mm -hmm. And it was a big shocker to me that when I looked at personal ads for the first time in, well, actually probably for the first time ever, because I'm from such a small town and the internet wasn't a dating thing when I was 19, Mm -hmm. uh, which is when I met my husband. Um, So I was reading these personals online and I was into the kinky dommy ones, which was... (gasps) Such a shocker. Oh. Yeah. So I hooked up with that scene. It was so exciting that after about a year, I wanted to start keeping a blog about it. And I just thought, well, what would be a good blog? And I was like, well, really, it does seem like this Saturn return thing is cool, uh, that that, that, that hap- made it happen, but Saturn slut doesn't sound good to me. So I just decided Jupiter is slut. And it turns out that- You didn't like Saturn slut? I like Jupiter slut more. I think you made the right decision. (laughs) Jupiter is a planet of expansion and growth, benevolence and intellectuality. A little gassy also, you know. (laughs) Absolutely, it can crush you. There's a red storm that comes every once in a while. And there's no surface. You just Wait, there are so many metaphors here that I didn't even think. I just thought like SS Saturn slut. Yeah. Saturn. <laughs> I just wanted to say that Jupiter's slut has enough ass so she doesn't need the assonance of Saturn's slut. I used to review audiobooks professionally and you were the first person I've ever heard say the word assonance out loud See, in I a don't regular even know conversation. What that means. Assonance? It's when you have two, um, two uh, consonants that repeat in two words. So the sibilant S in Saturn and slut is assonance. And alliteration is when, oh no, shit. Assonance is vowels, alliteration is consonants. Yeah, but you just so said sibilance and now I'm getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> this is the scholarly part of the podcast. And Jupiter, I have a degree in linguistics. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, but no, but Saturn slut is alliteration, not assonance. So the joke doesn't hold, but thank you for holding. <laughs> but the sibilance was too much for me with... Um, with uh, Saturn's slut. and uh, Wait, I want to know how you asked your husband for a lover because if you were coming from this like shame, maybe repressed place, how did you get to a, a place where you were like, okay, I need to ask for this. Like I need some sex. Um, I went through 15 years. Mm-hmm. So the first 10 years actually, it was kind of like, the f- feminist new version of Leave it to Beaver. Like he was an environmentalist and... I grew strawberries and raspberries and I did cloth diapers and I made our granola from scratch. 
Look at you. So you had a different kind of intimate life together. Yeah, and for the first 10 years, it was kind of perfect. Um, Then I went back to school to get my degree. I went to Smith College. Woo, woo! Of course you had a sexual awakening at Smith. (laughs) Oh, my God. Smith is an all-women's school, and uh, it's great. (laughs) It is, and I... I absolutely love my experience at Smith. And that's actually the first time we started having any difficulty in our marriage. And and I think because I started um, kind of getting my own identity outside of taking care of my husband and my child. And I had met What? Him. You have an identity outside of oh, I didn't. I did child? not define as mother and <laughs> wife. I, I didn't before. And then it was perfect. But when I started to, chinks started happening. Mm. Things started getting a little rough. So from years 10 through years 15, it just got really painful. It got really, really painful. The more I got independent, the more he withheld sex. Uh, At the time, he would say that it had to do with um, just getting older. Just, you know, you hit your 30s and you're just not as interested. Um, That's what he told me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't have any reason to think he was lying except for I didn't really believe him. But I wanted wanted to give the benefit of the doubt or whatever. So... um, I just, I got to a place where I was sexually starved, um, but also so much more than that. Like when wants, wants are denied across the board. So it didn't, it, whenever I went to do anything for me, the family felt abandoned mm. because if I wasn't there for them and nothing else, there was there was a feeling of threat. I mean, it's kind of complicated like to p- unpack 15 years no, of but marriage. I think it's just such a common thing that I've heard from a lot of people who are moms. I don't want to say just moms. I mean, maybe just parents in general, but like... Especially stay-at-home parents. Yeah, especially stay-at-home parents, but even working parents too because they are maybe doing a lot for their family and then it's like, where is the time to do stuff for you? Well, when I made time to do things for me or uh, oftentimes I would be like, well, I want more time in our life for joy. So I would think of, well, I, I knew he didn't want to do my thing. So I would think the things that he liked that were... My favorites of all the things he loves like to what? do, like um, he liked to sing and he liked to hike, and um, so rather than invite him to say tango dancing, which is what I used to do, I invited him to join a chorus in the woods. Yeah, singing hippie songs out of our favorite hippie book, and he oh, was like, fuck "Yeah," he was like, "No, I don't want any more commitments or whatever." So, and the point is, the point is not that stuff, and the point isn't isn't to pick that apart. I guess the point is that. Because I conceived of myself only within the we, when I tried to fix, I just kept trying to fix we, and I couldn't, I could not fix we. And I didn't, there was no me. Mm. And eventually, you know, after a really long time, I just started realizing that, like, I wasn't being met halfway. I wasn't being met a quarter of the way. I wasn't even being met 10% of the way. Like, it was either 100% I was dedicated only to the marriage or... The marriage had problems. So eventually I had to leave and I felt really guilty. The predominant feeling I had was, um, well, he doesn't even beat me. How, how I'm so selfish to be leaving if he mm. doesn't even beat me. Um, you know, and so it's kind of like this like old programming that comes up. It like is, these it is sa- programming yeah. of of as a woman, you must stay. And like other women, and uh, pain Olympics, other women have it worse and put up with it. Absolutely. So who are you to try to strive for your own identity when you're not being um, obviously either emotionally or physically crushed? Absolutely. And basically I felt like I was dying. Right. But I couldn't hardly explain why. And I just, I just eventually realized I couldn't, I couldn't be in charge of trying to make him happy or make us work. Mm-hmm. So I just started trying to make my life work. And that eventually eroded the whole relationship, and so we got divorced. And um, and uh, so that's how Jupiter slut the name came <laughs> came about. Wrap, but, wrap around, but the, but Saturn the, return. But the slut part came from even before I was a virgin. I thought of myself as the virgin slut because just even liking them to make out with men made me feel guilty. And I was like, mm. oh my God. And I, I was aware of the irony. So before, did you name the word slut as a negative thing for you? Yes and no. Like I knew I knew in a way that it was ridiculous to think of myself as a slut because I was technically a virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I did not. There was no girl power around being a slut in the 90s. Right. <laughs> there, there was just, girl power was just starting to be a thing and it didn't, it, it wasn't, 
at least right. in my sphere, it right. wasn't. Yeah, well, Riot Girls did write slut, but maybe they didn't didn't get to you. So what year was that? I think 93, 94, Kathleen Hanna, I think. I don't know. I, I don't even know that, but well, I didn't listen to the Riot Girls. I was no. all Nine Inch Nails. No, it was Ooh, fine. Hey. But also talking about, <laughs> I heard a Nine Inch Nails song on the radio the other day, and it was like so intensely like BDSM-y and like like I want to fuck you from the inside <laughs> shit. And I was like, this is on the radio in the nineties, and people are bleeping out ovulating from M and M's without me. Like, what? are you talking about? Like the quintessential Nine Inch Nails, like "Fuck You Like an Animal" song? Maybe. I don't know. I hadn't heard it before, and it was Nine Inch Nails, and yes. I was like, this is fucking intense. <laughs> and, a, and a little hot. <laughs> it is really intense, and that that. What is deleted when and where is mind-boggling. Yeah. It's like it's like sticking, you know, pop rocks and it like my it's brain so just weird. goes. Um wait, I want to know when the first like pleasurable masturbation happened. Because well, it sounds like it sounds like you had you. some like failed attempts in the bathtub and then I don't think I even tried. Good? I just thought of trying. Well, so I woke up with a wet dream one time when I was 15. And it's the kind of thing that like, I knew it had happened in the morning and I just never thought about it again because why would it, it was, you know, kind of like you don't think about parts of yourself that are in conflict with what you think your identity should be to be a yeah. good person. Yeah. So I like that you called it a wet dream too, because I've only ever heard people refer that to guys' dreams when they wake up and they've like ejaculated. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure how. I get wet and when <laughs> yeah. I dream. No, yeah, and I wake up and I'm like, ugh. And then I, yeah, I've definitely had dreams like lately where it's about random people. And then I'm like, I need to masturbate thinking about that person because otherwise it's just not going to go away. <laughs> and then I can start my day. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so I had a couple of orgasms in my sleep. Oh, yeah. Like, or woke up or on the verge of orgasming and finished or whatever. But I was like half awake and, and you know, like kind of deniable, plausible deniability and, <laughs> and suppressed in the morning. Um, and then I think also I overheard, and this is one of the things that like I am now so inspired by how, by how much we don't know how much our work does or how much we don't know how positively we're affected by other people. Um, I overheard a woman in the co-op when I was buying some stuff in my hippy dippy for your granola, yeah. Well, when I was a teenager, actually. Oh. So good, good lord knows, I was probably buying one of those vegan rice patty things that I was addicted to growing up. Uh, they were <laughs> rice literally have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, ice cream for vegans before to foodie cutie before to to foodie cutie. They were called rice dream. I patties. had those because in my family <gasps> okay, we were kosher on Shabbat. Cream. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So in the, in the co-op. Yeah, in the co-op. This woman was talking about um, using a mirror to look at her genitals, which was a, a, a thing in the 70s. And I remember being so scandalized and like probably like keeping my eyes to the floor, my cheeks burning, but totally like leaning my ear in. And, um, and then I went and I tried it at home. But it was like one of those things where it's like you peek out and then you run away and you never do it again. Um, and I totally think I had an orgasm that time too. But then again, it was like, Just but I never looking? did it again. Well, I think I looked and then I touched a little, but just the looking was so taboo. I think mm. just doing that really turned me on. Um, and, and we hope that we can make it less taboo for our listeners. You should like, totally look. Do the mirror and the looking. More than a mirror, thing. get yourself a fucking speculum and get up in there and look at your <laughs> cervix. It is an emotional experience. I cried the first time I saw my cervix. That is so funny because one of my favorite medical experiences was my very first pap smear. I think it's true that you have a favorite medical experience. <laughs> but proceed, Jupiter. Slut. I don't know. <laughs> I Just call me whatever you're most comfortable with. Jupiter slut is definitely my full title, but most people shorten it to Jupiter because it's cute and a lot of people are scared of using the word slut even when I give them permission. Okay. Oh, not me. But go on. <laughs> Obviously, you guys are the sluts and the scholars. Tell us, slut. Um, so it, it, it wasn't the speculum, but it was the fact that another human being looked at my genitals and treated me well and without oh. shame. I just, it was so impactful for me to get my first pap because it the way the doctor treated treated me, she, it was a woman, and she was just like, oh, you look healthy. And she treated my vagina like any other part of my body, and it was, for me, the best experience I've ever had medically because it was so validating. Yeah. 
Um, and it was the first time anyone. Can you imagine if we all walked around with our mouths covered all the time, and then you finally went to the dentist, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're great and healthy." It's yeah. like the same thing. I haven't even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, that's so, a really powerful healing experience. I spent a semester in South Korea. And by the way, you do go around with your hand over your <laughs> mouth in South Korea. Um, <laughs> just for like smiling. Hygiene. You don't, you don't, you don't, you, you don't smile. Fuck, like, South Korea is my number one destination to go to when I smile. So, is that why they wear the masks? No, that's for colds and oh, germs. Got but, it. Um, I, I, I kind of forgot that detail, and, and I definitely am not an expert. I was just there for a couple of months, but I came <laughs> home with the habit of having my hand in front of my smile. Wow. So, Interesting. Um, but, but, yeah, so the, I think that the looking is really, really powerful, but sometimes I, I now think of my myself as a toddler. You know, like as a toddler, like, peeks out from behind mommy's skirts and, like, wants to try something new and then runs back to safety. And so, like, that for me was a peek out, try something new, and then I ran back to safety, which was rep- repression. And uh, it was only this year that I found out that I think it's Betty Dodson who— mm-hmm. the Masturbation workshops? Uh, no, wrong wrong one. The 1970s feminist who, um, who is the one who started teaching women to look at themselves. That's with, Betty Dodson. That's Betty Dodson. Okay, right yeah. name then? Okay, yeah. So I just found out that this woman in New York in the 70s was the one who trickled down to my— Washington State, hippie town, 6,000 people co-op in the middle of nowhere, rainforest, bumfuck. We only had two stoplights and one movie theater. And her work came all the way from New York and affected my, you know, repressed childhood. Um, So I feel feel super grateful for that kind of ripple effect that goes out into the world that is so... And now you're one of the people causing the ripple. I hope so. Well, yeah, it's like you loosened your, you had your loosening... (laughs) <laughs> from your repression. I don't mean that. I like to think of it as still kind of tight. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but I'm a big boat rocker for sure. <laughs> so now what you're doing is, from what I have gleaned from my researching as a scholar, um, is you you have a lot of sexy pictures and sexy videos of you masturbating, and you kind of promote this idea of like wholesome sluttery and... What you, is that? What are you? Yeah, what are you doing on the internet? <laughs> what are you doing on the? Not like what are yeah, you like, doing? What is wholesome sluttery? Yeah, what's your? Well, wholesome sluttery is just me, very genuinely. Like I'm a good girl. I'm a really yes, nice human are. being. Yeah, I'm also a total slut. <laughs> <laughs> and oftentimes people are like, "Oh, I know you're really a bad girl." What do you mean by I, slut? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Like, how do you define it? How do I define slut? I define slut, I, I take the holistic approach as in I will accept all definitions of slut. So I have witnessed when now I was, you are a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've witnessed my own students being called a slut for not putting the basketball where the boy told them to at PE mm-hmm. or something. Like slut is just used to shame women period. And you can be called a slut for having sex. You can also, you know, a lot of guys if I, if, if I don't tell them what I want or they want to hear or I don't say yes to them or someone else doesn't say yes to them sexually, they'll call you a slut for oh, saying yeah. no too. You know, slut is just kind of universally used as a way to shame women. So to me, it's, um, I've been working from the acronym for myself of shameless, luminous, untamed truth to me. <gasps> oh, I love a good Shameless, acronym. luminous, untamed truth. We've had so many great definitions of slut on the yeah. podcast, like Lola. Yeah, Lola's as being what is it? Unapologetically on? in love with your own sex life. Woo-hoo! I yeah. love Lola. So many great ones. Yeah. yeah. So that's my working Wait, definition. One more time. Shameless. Shameless. Luminous. Untamed. Untamed. Truth. Truth. Amen. <laughs> ah, woman. Praise be to slut. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. It should be on a crest. So, are you still a teacher? After five years, I left. But you were still doing slutty things on the internet while you were a teacher? Was that possible or not allowed? It actually surprisingly was. So one of the things that I found is, and this is actually really important with SESTA and FOSTA having come out, um, oftentimes we talk about um, legislation and sex work as marginalizing the other. Um, And my experiences as a very privileged person has been that it's still been very marginalizing to be a woman who claims her sexuality. Um, So my ex-husband 
knew that, you know, we opened the marriage. I started a blog, which at the time was written poetry called jupiterslot.com. And I did like finger painting and and kink poetry. <laughs> and it sounds like some DDLG stuff with the finger painting. For people who don't know, daddy, daddy. Daddy, daddy dom, daughter, little, little, girl. Girl. little girl. Daddy, dom, little girl. Oh, daddy, dom, little girl. Fuck yeah. <laughs> So. I've seen your work, Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, for people listening who don't know Sesta and Fosta, uh, we did a great live show on our new Vivid radio channel on Sirius um, with Susie Q. So we're not focusing on that in this episode. We can talk about it a little bit, but go check that out and inform yourselves with legislation that's happening um, because it's really dangerous for sex workers. So and side would, note, check it out. I would, I would argue I that it's really to- dangerous for all women, period. Ooh, elaborate. So during um, well, let's just well, let's do a quick. What is SESTA and FOSTA? Can we? Oh, SESTA and FOSTA is the House and Senate bills that went through, were passed, and stop enabling sex traffickers online or whatever. And so basically, it said that you can't do anything online that might be sex trafficking, but doesn't make any distinction between what sex trafficking is and consensual sex work, and also holds platforms liable for what happens on them. So sex workers can no longer advertise their services and does a lot of the fucking and, stuff. And it affects people who want to help sex workers do it in a consensual and safe way, like everything from giving out condoms to pamphlets to That's like SB that. 1204 in California. So it's also affecting massage therapists, mm-hmm. sex educators, and anybody who used, say, Craigslist or used words like sex, uh, because any company who had a platform online in which a sexual exchange could be happened could be held liable. So they freaked out at the potential liability mm. with the legal change and were just like, oh, well, we'll go for safety. So nobody can use sex here. Nobody can talk about sex here. And we'll just get rid of your your platform or your files or whatever. But um, so during, so I had this blog for a couple of years before my divorce. And then during my divorce, when I was, actually trying to really negotiate for myself and negotiate well um, for a fair 50-50. Custody, um, you mean? Custody and, and a splitting of assets. Okay. Um, that wasn't something I had done in my marriage. It was a very sh- big shock to my ex for me to actually really be advocating yourself. for myself. And, and I had to have a lawyer help me do it because I was I, I, I had to learn, and the lawyer I taught really, me how. I really, really hope you're not going to say that they used the blog against you. Yeah, they did. They, they blackmailed me. with, and I, and I said to him, I said, you used to c- correct the commas. How can you say that you're against this now? And, and I, took it first that he, I took it first that he was just blackmailing me. But later, you know, when things cooled down and we'd had that much of an exchange, um, he said, well, you weren't successful before. Like, oh, so as long as I was a nobody, your wife not doing anything real, it was okay. But when I started getting followers, that's when it was all of a sudden a danger to the family or whatever. And and it is crazy to me how people can still use someone's sexuality and sexual past as a reason to say that they are not a competent person, a competent mother, a competent worker in whatever they're working. Like I knew this guy who lost... um, privileges to his child because like he likes to dress in women's clothes in his private time. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the outcome? So the outcome was that my lawyer told me to um, get rid of everything related to Jupiter Slot, pull my blog, um, and be nice to my ex-husband. She said I'd be eaten alive by the courts. And I told her not to tell me that again after like the second or third time she told me that because I didn't want to pay to hear her say the same spiel again. Um, and eventually I had to switch to a different lawyer because that was, she was so freaked out. Um, and she basically was like, well, what if you get tired of this and this will ruin your teaching career and stuff. And, and she basically said that the courts would take my child and award him hundred percent custody. And I'd never see my daughter again. And and was my work really worth that? And I looked her in the eye and I said, yes, which as a mother is like the most evil thing you can say, but my daughter is almost 18, so I was like, by the time the courts get that shit litigated, my daughter will be able to do whatever the fuck she wants. Right. <laughs> so, like, bitch, calm down. Right. Um, and, but it's interesting, though, that people think that you are a bitch or will think that you're evil because you're saying that your sexuality and your pleasure and your livelihood and your eroticism— Identity. Your identity— is could possibly be more important than your child, and to say that my rights in our as an American is citizen, bad. 
my rights to free speech. I think a man standing up and for free speech uh, would be lauded, even if it meant that he had to sacrifice some time with his family where a woman is looked at as mm. derelict. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I really had to stand up for it, and I and I it just became really clear how important it was to me. So I can't, and I want to be really clear about this because you know my ex really is one of those people on this planet who's trying to be the best human being he can be. And um, I can't say that he blackmailed me because we also had two lawyers. You ever right. played that phone game? Yeah. So all I can say is that my <laughs> lawyer said, his lawyer said, and my lawyer's interpretation was, if you don't take, ev- they've asked for you to take that shit down. If you don't, they will take your child and they can and the courts will side with him because they hate women who have anything to do with sex. And I found a different lawyer. How'd you get the kid in the first fucking place? Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. But I can't, I cannot tell you sorry. how. I'm just I like mean, sitting duh. here like, boy, like, sorry. Yeah, no, but this is true. This happens. Well, not only does this happen, but inside myself, as soon as I became a mother, I felt like I started had to hide my sexuality. Like, like we are so put in boxes of you're either sexy or you're a mom mm-hmm. or you're, e- and for myself to instead of like I'm having breast milk, who wants to buy it and suck on my nipples? Because I like sex and kids. <laughs> Doesn't have to go to that extreme, but just an example. Hey, Lana, let me know when you're pregnant. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I know well, there's a extreme, lot of but women. Just you example. There's a lot of women making some really good money on Chatterbait doing that. Yeah. Um, Chatterbait didn't exist when I had breast milk, but mine <laughs> shot all the way across but you the could bottom. Have sold it. Oh yeah, mine was going five feet. Like I could have made incredible. it. I didn't know this happened. Oh yeah, get out of the shower when the milk is baby's nowhere near and I'm like I'm like a fountain oh my god so cool <laughs> yeah and that's the kind of thing on chatter I could have made a lot of money for the family yeah. sitting at home just just let yeah, just let my breast milk if you were on the computer <laughs> I love it <laughs> sorry love it. going back to your point oh so um, going back to your really horrible misogynist well, divorce <laughs> yeah oh by the, and, and this is the this is the kind of to me really sad thing it's my ex-husband always identified as a feminist and he believes that he is one. And and so many men who are allies are feminists. And you know what? This is, the, and I'm not even going to say this about men, so many women mm-hmm. also. I myself, I internalized all this shit. That's why I married him, right? And I, so I, I really want to hold myself accountable to the fact that not just that I internalized it, but this is our lineage and these were the problems. This Like for me, I could just consider it, this is my job to take the next step. The past generations took a lot of steps to get us to the freedoms we have now. And we have a lot of history of a lot of repression and a lot of shit. So it's not, I'm not trying to blame him or criticize yeah, him. And it stays with you for, for generations. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard to go against generations of shame and repression. Absolutely. Well, it, you, it's hard to even know you have it because it's like the water in the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the fish. You don't even know there's water that you're, that you're, you can't see it. Mm. Um, that's not my analogy. That one's somebody else's. I was like, why? <laughs> <You're> like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I was like, someone should put that in a book. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the long and the short of it was I know that there's one thing about blackmail and that's nobody can blackmail you if it ain't a fucking secret so quick before they could go to the courts I went to my boss fully expecting that if I outed myself at work I would lose my job and I went in as fast as I could and told my boss that I had an extremely explicit blog because I had just started adding pictures I was keeping my face out to stay anonymous but I just started adding like nudie pics of myself because Instagram inspired me to do that yeah And my friend had told me Instagram was how I would start to get readers, which she was right. So my boss shocked the hell out of me. She was like, look, I have, you're the best math teacher in the building. There's no way in hell I'm letting you go. What you're doing is legal and I'm a feminist and you're a feminist and I'm standing behind you and I'm going to my boss to make sure it's cool with her. And she went to her boss and her boss said, yeah, in fact, you're not the only sex blogger. And it was like, ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. And that stayed awesome. Oh my God, I want to (laughs) cry. Super, super awesome. And she even said to me, look, I have- A little bit of faith restored. A little. Hold your breath. Um, Fuck. (laughs) She said, there's there's other people in this building who have done actually illegal things. I have staff members who've had a DUI and staff members who have, you know, like uh, cocaine drug arrest histories and I can't fire them. So I sure as hell am not firing a woman for doing something that's actually legal. But, you know, if the students run across your online presence, you probably won't be able to teach here because they won't shut up and do the math if they've seen your work. And I was like- Fair enough. Yeah. So I continued to teach for several more years, um, but I did teach in an inner city district um, and violence was on the rise in our school and both of our union reps were fired. 
Um, there was argument as to whether they were incompetent or whether they were fired in retaliation for their work for the union. Um, I kind of thought maybe it wasn't in retaliation for the union because I just didn't want to believe that. Mm-hmm. And I think that really also was really true a lot for me with maybe in my divorce and of my father or different authority figures in my life. I don't want to believe bad things about people. Of course. Because if you're if someone's an authority, you gotta trust and hope that they're a good person because you're listening to them. Yeah, but I think I really turned a blind eye yeah. <laughs> to mm. things I maybe shouldn't have. Um, but nobody would volunteer to become the union rep. Uh, and after like three months of our building having none, two different people came to me and asked me to become the union rep. Oh. So I did, did. You have to run. Yeah, to but I ran uncontested. Because <laughs> I was I was there was gonna be like there was a smear like, campaign. Everybody was like. Every, no, not at all, because nobody else on staff knew. It was only my boss who knew. And, and everybody on staff was like, oh, my God, thank yes, thank you. Do it. And um, so I did it. And we had some real big issues with safety. And they'd canceled our um, they'd canceled our team meetings where the teachers could get together and talk about the problem behaviors and make sure that we were dealing consistently from adult to adult in the building with behavioral issues with different students. And I worked only with students with diagnosed behavioral, social, emotional disabilities. That's tough. Yeah, so it was really important. It, it's like, it was really important to have, to be on the same page. Well, they had canceled our team meetings. We weren't having them anymore. Violence was going up in the classrooms. It was a shit show. And it was really dangerous for adults and for students. Like, if, 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 if adults aren't safe, students aren't safe. And um, so basically, I, through, with the union, filed a grievance demanding that they restore our previous weekly team meetings so teachers of a grade level could get together and do their best to do their job. Um, And it was, I went from having an exceeds expectations highest rating to being publicly scorned and used in as an example and told that if I had better classroom management skills, this was after five years, um, if I had better classroom management skills, then there wouldn't be issues in my classroom and all student behaviors were, were blamed on me publicly once I brought this grievance. And eventually, the retali- there was like multiple institu- institu- incidences of retaliation. And the final one was to dust off the knowledge that I had an adult content blog and to <gasps> threaten either I, either I resign or they- As the rep or as a teacher? As a teacher <gasps> from the district. Or they would go to the state and report me, and I would likely get my entire license revoked. Fuck them. I have, like, no words. But I'm not surprised, which is even sadder. Yeah, so I, oh. my experience is that basically if you're going along and doing what people think you should do and being nice, then you can get away with things. But if you are standing up for your rights or the rights of others— then they will use your things like your sexuality against you. Of course. Yeah, they'll they'll hit you where they you're have marginalized. They you, and that's why I say when when women are marginalized for their sexuality, all women are not as safe. Period. Because. And you don't like. I never would have said that. I wouldn't never have said that that affected me or would ever affect me. And it it really does affect all women, whether or not you know it. It, it's keeping you in line, even if you're not conscious of it, it's keeping you in line because the social risk and the price you might pay mm-hmm. if you stand up is ginormous. And so you, so you did resign. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a lot of help from the union of, and a yeah. lot of time, it took like it was That's like a six to nine month progress. It was like a six to nine month process with no pay, um, practically, and um, and it was exhausting. But do you now make the entirety of your income from being Jupiter slut? Well, yes and no. So the other thing, like SESTA and FOSTA are about to be followed with the Stop Banking for Sex Traffickers Act. Yeah. But there's already a lot of, um, there's already a lot of syntaxes on and policies against people who have any sort of sexual or adult content online. Wait, so, when you say sin, do you mean like S-I-N tax? Yes, I do. Oh. So have like, you ever tried to register a .xxx website? No. no. $110 a year. A regular one, .com, $15 a year. If you yeah. want a .press, $7 a year. How much does it cost them to do an, a triple X versus a different kind? Nothing. The difference is- Why would is, you register an XXX versus a com? Well, Just because so people most, know what's up. Yeah, to make got it look bad. Like, oh, because you know, you want to go to a dirty website. It's got to have XXX. Jupiter's <laughs> slut.xxx. Oh. <laughs> I tried to buy it, but you actually Wholesome have to- Wholesome sluttery.xxx. You have to produce- <laughs> 
<laughs> you have to prove you're in the adult industry. So I, I actually like, have to. Here's my pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you're welcome to put that stuff on .com. But um, I'm trying to go. I am a writer, and and people don't realize that because, um, well, there's for good reason, actions speak louder than words. And what you see on my website right now are my videos, which is right. research for a particular book. And you see pictures, so people think I'm a model. Um, but Instagram is nothing but pictures. But what you are is a writer. Yeah, but what I am is a writer, and that's how I got here. Because my blog was originally poetry, and I was looking at trying to um, write a book, and, and one of the books I read said, stop writing on your blog, put your energy on writing your book, and just vlog instead. So I'd started doing videos on YouTube, and I'd started vlogging. Yeah, YouTube is the worst place for any sort of sex ed content, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Oh, it's also yeah. bad for just straight humor. Yeah, it's bad for, like... It's I, I, did a video, I did a video on this that I like passive aggressively posted because it's like you can go out there and the things that are on YouTube, there's some there's some shit out there. But like when it's educational, people take it down. Well, and my I'm to say my stuff is not educational, but it's also usually a lot tamer than your average pop song video. Right, and they get taken down, and they won't put them back up, and it, yeah. and it, and they don't let. There's nothing you can say, and and it threatens your channel. So I have actually shut my own channel down several times so I could wait out the bad marks and then restart my own channel. So to me, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Um, but I just bought myself a nun costume, and I'm thinking that for a while I'll only make videos in a nun costume. So <laughs> that's great because I do. I do, in all fairness, I do accidentally get kind of naked a lot. Because I like to take my clothes off. So I, I struggle. Yeah. I struggle sometimes during <laughs> you videos. You have taking your clothes off here. No, I'm surprised. I'm sad, honestly. Um, but so I want to get to kind of, we're sadly running out of time, which is heartbreaking. But I want to get kind of to the, how do you identify? Because in, in looking up your presence on the internet, I saw mo- your more recent blog posts are just videos. But if you go further back, there's videos with like really funny text. Like I found myself laughing as I was reading. Um, and so I wrote in our, in our preparation, like, what do you identify as? Are you a sex worker? Are you an artist? Are you a vlogger? What, what does this all mean? And then you have your, your pinned tweet on your page is this fucking hilarious interview with the artist. And I'm just wondering, what are you seeking to do? Yeah, so I I have an MFA in creative writing. I published my first book of um, poetry when I was in high school, self-published. So I've always been a writer. I realized after my divorce that I was, I thought I'd sexually matured during my marriage. And I realized that I, after 15 years of uh, regular sexual encounters with one person, I hadn't actually matured at all. I was still ashamed to touch myself, and I was then ashamed that at the age of 35, I was ashamed to touch myself. So that's when I conceived. I'd already moved to vlogs, and I'd already been writing about sex, and I was like, I'm going to film myself masturbating once a week for a year because I don't want a rebound relationship. I'm not even legally single yet. I need to start learning how to to have a relationship with me before I have relationships with others, and this will give me accountability and structure, and I'm going to do this thing. And that's where the Masturbation Monday— So for me, it was research for a book on shedding shame around masturbation. and But then I was like, well, you know, if I'm making these videos and putting them up and that's really expensive, I should go ahead and get money for it. So I, I decided to accept donations and I was distrustful of Patreon. So I started my own subscription site. And that, I and I made these like beautiful erotic films that were super funny and super sexy and I was really proud of them. And then I found out that that actually is porn. So I had accidentally become a porn star. <laughs> I found out both because my credit card, <laughs> my credit card companies uh, flagged my stuff as adult content, which caused a problem. So currently, I don't sell my porn um, because now I've been flagged a few different times. It's a few different ways you run into processing issues with adult content, which is <gasps> shitty that credit card companies and other things have trouble with consensual work of any kind. Yeah, and also, um, I mean, they do that based on what your risk, fast, risk fast factors. They call it high risk. But in reality, I, I created like my own Patreon, and for over a year I had zero chargebacks and no complaints, which means I was not high risk. Right. But unlike if you're, 20, if you're like an 18-year-old and you're getting insurance, you can age out or prove a, you can create a clean driving record Within this industry, you can't ever prove that you're not high risk. You just are high risk because it is sex, period. And that's what I'm talking about, the kind of sin tax. Wow. So there's just, there's, and that's before these legislations. So um, basically, uh, 
I started charging for it because it was costing me over $100 just to pay for the streaming. I'd put thousands of dollars into making the website so I'd have some place to... You have like a multi-camera setup. Like yeah. you got stuff. That's, <laughs> that's me and my two iPhones. <laughs> I love it. Wow, it looks like so much more impressive. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good at like... I don't know how I do that, but... It's good. It's really I fun. Lo- I never realized how much I liked the multi-angle until I was like watching your stuff, and I was like, I love that. <laughs> well, I guess, and that that gives You're it a so sense of, too, which of movement. There's a part of me that comes out when I'm either on stage or in front of a camera that I, I can't access any it's other so way. It's so funny. Well, um, we want everyone to be able to see your sinful things that we love. Oh, yeah. Um, how can people find you and follow your content and buy it where they're allowed and, and all of that? So jupiterslut.com is a good central place to get me. I'm, a, I'm in the process of moving my porn work probably to masturbationmonday.com so that that project continues to live in a single place. And then as the book comes out, if people want to see the content, it, it, it lives right there. Oh, right. The book's coming out so soon. Make sure to yeah. get it. Um, and so I'm a writer. I own, And I had such a wonderful time writing about my own filming of myself that I've continued to film myself. I've started producing porn with other people and and having captured myself in sexual experiences with other people, I've had to look at that with the same thing where I have to look at the fact that what I did like or what I didn't like and own it in a really different way. So for me, externalizing my own sexual experiences makes me confront them in a, in a way that I can't like repress. It stops yeah. my repression cycle. Um, and it's just been amazing for me. And I also, I'm an exhibitionist, so I get turned on by the camera and I love it. So yeah. I'm continuing to produce porn, but in service of my writing and my writing, both my writing and my film is just really funny. So I threw humorist in the middle. So I'm a writer, humorist, humorist, accidental porn star. I love it. <laughs> I'm so grateful that love you took it. the time. How many subscribers do you have? I'm just curious. Well, on my email list, about 4,000. Who's a goddess subscriber? Goddess means you get a phone call once <laughs> so, a year for 20 minutes from Jupiter. I am so glad that you understood that because what I found is that a few people did subscribe at that, but then they canceled after a month or two. So I think they thought you'd they'd get the phone call right, right away. away, not at the one-year anniversary mark. So I felt like that was my bad on the marketing. But obviously oh, I you understand. I assumed you had to pay up front for the year. Oh, see, well now that And then they get off the call whenever they wanted. That that's how I should have done it, right? But now, when I started, I was a math teacher, former housewife in Western Massachusetts by myself. I knew not a single other person in the sex positive community. But you can do or it. the you adult do it now industry for your website. Well, I'm working on it, so I'm doing a rebuild right now uh, on the. I know. Website. I tried to go to the bubble room and said, "Does not exist." Wow. Yeah. You. Yeah. Basically. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's where all the full length videos are allegedly. <laughs> It is. Those are like 20 minutes compared to I my five deep. minutes. <laughs> no, you're, you're, I always you're a good scholar and researcher. I'm a researcher. You are. You are. So I actually, I mean, on the plane this morning, I was sending banking documents. I had to send. So if you want to get um, approved with Stripe or something or, or Square or whatever, mm-hmm. 30 seconds. If you want to get approved as an adult, I have to give them my passport, my bank statements. Um, because as an adult work, as an adult entertainer, you mean? Yes, to get credit card processing. It takes several weeks. I've had to have people come directly into my house and meet them. And I've given them a cup of tea and I've still been rejected for credit card processing and told because they didn't like my they didn't like my terms and conditions. So I was like, what do you want changed? And they were they wouldn't they were like, No, we just don't like it. And so it's under the guise (laughs) of preventing sex trafficking. So I'm assuming they make it so difficult to prove that you are a real human who is getting who is doing consensual sex work and this is how they've designed it, but it's really just making it insanely hard. Yeah, hard to make a living for sex workers. Well, I don't conceive of it as that way so much because it's also hard for, say, for it's it's hard for anyone who's producing adult content. And a lot of the producers I know are guy hobbyists who want to pay women to live out their sexual fantasies. Well, it's hard for them to get credit card processing too. Um, oh, interesting. And also the- Bitcoin bitches! <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Crypto. It, we're looking for, well, that's what the stop, the stop banking uh, for sex traffickers is going to affect that. Crypto too? Uh, potentially. That's what I was reading an article on it and, and they're, yeah, potentially. Send it my way, please. Will do. Um, so, oh, we got so serious. Yeah, I know, but we're finishing up, but it's just, I'm so. Thank you so much for joining us. This I, was amazing. I'm like really giggly. Like we need to end on a positive note. What's your I'm, fave I'm, joke? 
sorry. This is the I thing. can't come up with a joke on the spot. Can you? I can't. Never. And I couldn't I didn't even have a favorite joke. I couldn't even. Oh, okay. I do have a favorite. I know everyone does. So it's it's knock knock. Who's, Who's there? there? Cat cow. Cat, Cat cow, cow who? <laughs> <laughs> My daughter made that up when she was like three. What a brilliant daughter. <laughs> she is. Does she She's, know? Yes, I, I'm out. Uh, well, I'm not out to my dad, but uh, that's because we don't talk about anything of he substance. He doesn't know the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, but I am out on Facebook, which means that wow. that's, you know any of my relatives can find out and any of my relatives can tell him. But I have come out to my friends and my immediate family that I speak to on a regular basis. And my daughter was one of the first people I came out to because... Um, I had bought a new Mac and she wanted to use it. She kept being like, mom, I want to use the Mac. I want to use the Mac. You just got a new Mac. And I had to be like, okay, this isn't going to work. She's going to get on my computer without permission. So I had to say, hey, so I, in addition to my other things that I do, we shared, he knew we had an open relationship. Um, I said, I've started um, taking videos and pictures naked of sexual stuff. And that's on this laptop. So you're not allowed to use it. And she was like, <laughs> I don't I don't want to use it. <laughs> she wouldn't touch that that Mac. And she stood and and then I started realizing when I started editing film sometimes um I didn't want her to walk in on me so I'd leave the laptop if I had the la- the rule was if I had the laptop open and she wasn't allowed to walk into my bedroom and that way she wouldn't accidentally see something on my screen. Uh-huh. Um but she followed all those rules because who wants to see their mom's hooch? Like really? <laughs> you know, honestly, I think I'd be okay with seeing my mom masturbate. I well, I think I honestly, I think it would be kind of educational. So my my mom sub, was one of my first I'm subscribers. Not, no, I'm not down. <laughs> so my mom has seen lots of previews of my videos and stuff. And until That's, there was, it's nice that she's supportive. Yeah, and then she unsubscribed after there was one where I was tied up in ropes. She was like, "That was too scary. I couldn't see you." Yeah, I mean, for her, it was just scary the idea yeah. that I couldn't get away. She's like, "I'm done. I'm done. I've had enough. Good job." <laughs> um, but now my daughter says things like, "So, mom, can I tell them you're a porn star?" You know? oh so she likes, she likes to brag about it. Well, she's going to college and, you know, she's got a cool so education. Where's she going? Are you going to tell it? Smith? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the only school not on her list. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Mount Holyoke's kind of her backup school, but okay. she's going into her senior year. So she's, oh, got it. There's time. Yeah. She's doing community college instead of high school. Oh. You sounds know. like a real dumb one you got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jokes. That's incredible. Thank you so much for joining us, Jupiter. It has been such a fucking pleasure learning about you and having you here. Yes. Um, Likewise. As always, if you want to find us on the internet, we are Sluts and Scholars on Instagram, Sluts Scholars on Twitter, and please email us your thoughts, questions, rants, raves, whatever, to slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Goodbye.